So, uh, Bob Hazlett, amazing guy. The first time I ever got exposed to him was through a ministry called Power and Love. I was at a Power and Love conference up in Toledo, and I actually had to leave it early um, to get back to do something for school. And Robbie Dawkins, who's also one of the guys that was a part of Power and Love in the past, he uh, pulled me aside and said, dude, Wilson, like, we're, we're, we have a relationship. So he, he pulled me aside, we're friends, and said, dude, you cannot leave. Yeah, okay. We're friends, all right? I wasn't trying to like sneak a cool statement in there, but. Um, so Robbie pulls me aside and says, Wilson, dude, like you cannot leave early. Bob is the most gifted equipper in the prophetic I've ever come in, I've ever known, I've ever met. Those are literally his words. And coming from Robbie, who has a crazy anointed, um, amazing uh, equipping ministry himself, that's a pretty high compliment. What I didn't know, so I got to experience that. What I didn't know on top of that is he carries some amazing revelation on identity that really comes out from an angle I'd never personally experienced before. My dad describes him as an Andy Stanley, Bill Johnson mix. So I'm not sure uh, how much Bob is like that compliment or not. But nonetheless, for my dad, that's a big compliment. So uh, let's just rise to our feet and welcome Bob to the stage this morning. How you guys doing? Good. How many of you got a chance to come to one of the meetings this weekend? Raise your hand. Let's see. Oh, a good bunch of you. Huh? That's because you guys got to sleep in. That's why there wasn't as many in the first service. They were a little, the ones that came were not as, woo, they were like, huh, oh, I was there. It's good. So we had a good time. So great to be with Robbie again. Great to be with you guys for the first time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, it's always good to hang out with Robbie. We were together last month in Denver. We'll actually be together next month in St. Louis, and so I can't get enough of, again, you always need to get me some Robbie. Get a little Robbie, just encourages you. And there's enough of Robbie to go around, if you know what I mean, so <laughs> share, just sharing. So uh, you guys, you guys killed my book table, which is awesome. We ran out of my first book without me even announcing it. Uh, my book on the prophetic, The Roar, is gone. You can download it from my website or Amazon. The study guide's back there. Um, so that's, if that'll be helpful to you. Um, I do have my prophetic schools back there and I really encourage everything I do is, is reproducible. So in each of these schools, there's a whole section on exercises you can do to grow in the prophetic. There's four CDs in each of these. So that's eight here. And then there's six here. Uh, and this, this one is, this is what to do with your prophecies. Image versus identity uh, carries the message on the blood that I spoke the other night, how prophecy releases your prophetic identity. And that's, that's on there. This is called Now is the Time, how to accelerate into God's timing, how prophetic timing comes into your life. And so there's 14 teachings. It's all in our whole uh, prophetic library. It's on this USB drive, which you can get in all, all in once. And I actually want to give this away. I want to, someone that um, you have a small group, you, you have a life group or a home group where you want to really grow in teaching people how to hear God's voice better. Can I, so can I give that to you? All right. So that's back there, all in one USB drive. Bless you, man. Awesome. And this is our, um, this is our, my wife and I did a CD. I, I told the story in the first meeting. I'll probably tell it tonight how for about three years I was going and training teams, taking them to uh, new age conferences. And we saw so many people that were outside of the church in, in mystical environments. And I don't even, even like the word new age because it seems like it's kind of labeling people. It's just people that, that just love the spirit, love spiritual things. And they were hungry getting spiritual things, but we wanted to get the Bible into their hands in a way they can understand it. So we put together a, a CD with all the healing miracles of Jesus. 
so they could experience. And literally, we had guys that were um, that were teaching yoga that were using our our soaking music to do yoga. So like yo God. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm, I'm not, I can't do yoga. I'm not that flexible, but I'm flexible in the spirit with the scriptures. But the Bible says, I'll send my word and I will heal you. One of the pastors in our church, she, her daughter was diagnosed with a tumor, uh, with breast cancer and a tumor. She went to the doctor. They took the tests. They found the tumor. They were scheduled surgery uh, to remove it. And she got a copy of the CD, just started playing it, just getting the word of God into her. And um, a few weeks before the surgery, they went back had to take another MRI. The doctor came, literally, this was the story. The doctor said, there's something wrong with our equipment. Our machine's not working. We have to send you to another lab because your tumor's not showing up. And so they went to the other lab and their machines weren't working there either. Uh, So apparently this has the ability to destroy MRI machines. So that's pretty cool. Um, Does anybody know someone that has any growth or a tumor in their body? Could you get this to them or bless them with that? It's called Healing Experience. It's back there. And uh, awesome. Great. So great to be here with you this weekend. I'm jumping on a plane tomorrow for South Africa. And I'm going to do a a conference there. I tell people I have the greatest job in the world. Uh, It's just to go around, tell people what Jesus thinks about them. And then I get to go home to my amazing wife. I have a wife of 28 years. I call her, yeah, two girls, two beautiful girls, 22 and 17. And um, my wife, I, I prophesied her into my life. They say, he, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, the Bible says. He who prophesies a wife into his life finds an even better thing. Uh, so I grew up in church. Way back in the day, we used to have something called Sunday school. Anybody remember Sunday school? You're aging yourself there, but we used to have Sunday school before church. And in our kids class, I was probably 10 or 11 years old in the kids class. One Sunday, the teacher uh, asked a question to our, to the whole classroom. What do you guys want to do when you grow up? And so they went around the room and different people said, I'm going to be a baseball player. I'll be a, you know, a doctor or whatever, different things. And it came to me and I just, I didn't know I was going to say, I just opened my mouth because the Bible says, open your mouth and he'll fill it or stick your foot in it, one or the other. And I said, I want to grow up, I'm going to marry a blonde haired blue-eyed pastor's daughter. I said that. And then my teacher said, what? And I said, I have no idea why I said that. And so um, I, I went to college and I was uh, studying for the ministry. I, I came home from work one night. I was in the student activity center watching a football game. And this cute blonde bounced up to me with uh, blonde hair and ping pong pad on her hand, leg warmers. Remember those days, leg warmers? They were fuchsia, fuchsia leg warmers. And uh, she looked at me with her deep blue eyes and she said, do you want to play some ping pong? And I said, are you a pastor's daughter? She said, yes. Really strange like that. I said, absolutely. So true story. That's exactly, exactly how we met. And I knew the moment uh, that, 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 I started playing this ping pong game. I was, this was going to be the girl I was going to marry. So I had to get her hooked. I let her win the first couple games so that she would keep. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. She has a different story, but I have the microphone right now. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great life that we have. We love what we do. Um, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I want to talk to you for the next couple of minutes. We've been talking about identity. Um, and I want to talk to you about getting heaven's identity. I want to show you a picture. I said I'm going to South Africa um, 
in just tomorrow, and I'm actually going back to the same conference I was at. Uh, this will be the third time I've been at this conference. The picture that I'm, they're going to put up is a picture of me with a young lady I actually met there a couple years ago when I was at this conference. Then I came back last year, about a year and a half ago now, and the pastor met me at the door uh, with this young lady that you'll see in this picture, and here's her story. She grew up uh, in a fatherless home, in a, in a broken home, uh, in broken marriage, and without her dad. And uh, she grew up in an environment where it's tough for someone from her culture uh, to get an education and things like that, to get a higher education. I didn't know anything about her, but in one meeting, I called her out. I asked her to stand up, and I said, "Hey, I I see you uh, as like writing letters to God. Like I need to know you as a father." And I see, you, I see God starting to write letters back to you that you're his daughter and he's going to start to show you his daughter. And I saw, I saw you writing in this, writing these letters to God and then they turned into these uh, prescriptions, like doctor prescription. I see you studying in, in the university and becoming a doctor. And I see you delivering babies. She's 16 years old at the time. And this, did they put the picture up yet? Just pro- be prophetic with me, Okay. Envision me <laughs> standing there. She is. So I, I said to her, I see you becoming a doctor and, and delivering babies. So that was uh, about three years ago. And then about a year and a half ago, I went back there and, and the pastor, this is a picture of us. Then the pastor said, we got to tell you this story. Uh, he said, this girl, she grew up without a father. And, and so what you spoke to her really ministered to her mother that was there. But in our culture, in our country, in that uh, city, that they have to choose their university degree while they're still in high school. So she was 16, and that week she was supposed to choose what she was going to study in college. Like in America, we don't know what we're studying in college even after we're done studying it. Like, it's like, I'm undeclared. What does that mean? It means I don't have a clue. Okay, I'm, just, I'm an undeclared major. <laughs> my, life was, my whole life is undeclared. So... She had to decide that she was going to major and she did, she chose medicine because God said, you're going to be a doctor. So she figured God knows. So she started studying biology and all the things that she had to do. Now at this point, she's a senior in high school. It, it would take a long time, you know, even from here, cause she's a senior in this picture to graduate high school, go to college, graduate college, and then go to medical school, graduate there, do a residency. You know, it could be 10 12 years before she delivers a baby. And I said, you'll deliver babies. And then when you deliver them, you're actually going to prophesy over them. Because I believe doctors can prophesy. Because God speaks to everyone. He speaks to all of us. And so, and I said, and you're going to speak to these children. The first words they're going to hear is the word of the Lord over their life. That You're going to be the one that's going to speak over them. Wouldn't that be amazing if God raised up, you know, doctors that would prophesy, OBGYNs that would prophesy, paramedics that would raise the dead. That's a, that's a great job to have, right? And so what happened was a month before this picture was taken, she's at home with her sister who's pregnant. Her sister goes into labor. No one else is there but her. So she's never delivered a baby, but apparently you just put on your catcher's mitt and <laughs> the mask, <laughs> give him a signal, you know. And so I, I know it's not, it's not that way. It's much harder, ladies. I'm so sorry. <laughs> From our perspective, is I wish I had a mask actually when that happened. So she delivers the baby. A paramedics come, the ambulance comes, takes the, the, the mom and the baby, they're wheeling her out of the house. And she says, Wait a second, that guy from America said, I'm not just going to deliver babies, I'm going to prophesy to him. 
So she prophesies over the baby. The first voice the baby hears is a voice of its aunt giving a prophetic word of the Lord. Now, here's the, what the cool thing is, is that her culture would tell her that, you know, she's got a bad past. She doesn't have a great future. She doesn't have opportunity. But when God speaks something over you, it trumps what the culture tells you. It trumps what your experience tells you. It trumps what other people say about you. So in God's eyes, she was never fatherless because she was always adopted by him. He was always her father. She was always chosen by him. In God's eyes, she always had opportunity because she was blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heaven. In God's eyes, there was always an opportunity. She just needed someone who could see her the way that God's could see her and say what God said. And I guess I had the great privilege to fly to South Africa to look at her and tell her what God thinks about her. It's the best job in the world. And you have exactly the same job as me. That you get to walk around Cincinnati, you get to walk around Starbucks, you get to walk around your food store, you get to look at people and tell them what God says about them. And I believe that God is really solidifying us in our identity so that we can relate identity to others. Because Jesus came not just to save people, he actually said, God so loved the world that he came to save, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be sozoed, saved. What if you could see your city the way God sees it? What would you say about it? Because prophecy, uh, prophecy isn't just saying something, it's seeing what God sees and then saying what God says. All right, let's take a look at this, Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse number 13. We're going to unpack a few things. I really would encourage you, this is going to be a message, there's a lot in it. It's actually part of a two-part series I have called Shift Your Thinking, and it, there's a lot of stuff. So there's some homework you can do in this, there's stuff you can grab out of it. I'm the kind of person who's like, I, I listen when people talk, but I take trails other places, I'm okay with that. Just like use it to study and see what God wants to speak to you. And that we're going to come to a place in the end. I think there's going to be one point you're going to take home with you that you'll remember. And I'll tell you when we get there, you'll probably remember this. Okay. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. We'll just talk to you for a minute about how God teaches us. First of all, God doesn't teach us primarily by giving us answers. Sometimes what he does, he actually teaches us by asking questions. Now, I didn't talk about it this way in the first service, but really prophetic ministry isn't really just, it's not, it's not just talking to people, it's actually talking to God and people at the same time. So a lot of times what's happening is whenever we are having a conversation with people prophetically, we're actually having a conversation with God. I remember I was in Germany a couple years ago doing a, a, a big youth conference, and there was um, a young lady I asked to stand up. And I said this to this young lady, she's probably about 16, 17 years old. I said, you're really creative. I said, I see you doing stuff with like fashion and creativity and fashion. Like I see you taking like old clothing, vintage clothing, and then like fixing it up and refashioning it, repurposing it and turning it into something new and funky and, and fashionable. And I see you taking these clothes and I see you putting them on children that are underprivileged. In fact, I see you going on a missions trip to Kenya in the next few months, and you're going to take some of these repurposed clothes, and you're going to put them on these children, and you're going to prophesy to them and tell them what God says about them. 
and she's crying and her friends are laughing. So I'm thinking this is either a really good prophecy or a really bad prophecy. Like, I don't want to go to Kenya. And they're like, ha you got to get old clothes. You can't get new ones. And, and uh, turned out it was okay prophecy because the, 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 the next day a bunch of her friends came around me with her and they're like, how did you know that about our friend? How did you know that about her? I said, know what? They're like, how did you know she likes to buy old clothes and fix them up? And I'm like, well, God told me. And then one, one kid goes, no, no, how did you know? Like, how did God tell you? And I said, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. So I thought about it. And I realized when I was talking to her, God was talking to me. And whenever I was telling her something, I kept asking God questions. And every time God gave me an answer, it created another question inside of me. Which is exactly how God teaches. Anybody have that experience that you feel like you ask God to speak to you because you need to know something? And then he speaks to you, and then you realize how little you know. <laughs> so for every answer he gives you, it creates 10 more questions. And my usual response when God speaks to me is this. What? <laughs> Seriously. So I look at her, and I hear God say, she's creative. I go, what kind of creativity? Fashion. What, what kind of fashion? Old clothes. What's she going to do with old clothes? She's going to fix them all up. She's going to, actually, here's what he said to me. He, he's going to be, she's going to bedazzle them. You know what a bedazzler is? Well, they don't, apparently they don't have bedazzlers in Germany. I'm like, you're going to bedazzle clothes. And my interpreter's like, what? Bedazzle? I do not know bedazzle. So, so I said, you're going to fix them up, these vintage clothes. And then, I, well, what's she going to do with those? She's going to put them on children. What kind of children? Children that don't have clothes. Where? In Africa. Where in Africa? Kenya. When? This summer. It sounds like I'm really smart. I'm just clueless and I keep asking questions. See, you know how to be really good at prophecy? Be really dumb. And ask a lot of questions. Because when you know everything, you're afraid you don't ask questions. God doesn't want people to know everything. He wants people that are like children that just keep asking questions. And this is the way Jesus is teaching them. By the way, that's a really good teaching right there. You can take that and live like the rest of your week on that. Like that's prophecy. That's equipping. So like, but that wasn't the whole point of the sermon and the people in the first service didn't get that. Don't tell them. And so Jesus asked a question. What's the question he asked? Who do people say the son of man is? Who's the son of man? Jesus, right? Jesus is saying basically, who do people say I am? Does Jesus have an identity crisis? Does Jesus need to know like, am I, who am I? Am I the son of man? Am I the son of God? Some days I'm Jesus Christ. Some days I'm Christ Jesus. Some days I'm just JC. (laughs) He's not asking them a question because he doesn't know the answer. And you think he might be asking them the question because he wants an answer from them. But I want to tell you, he's not even asking them the question because he's trying to get them to get the right answer. God doesn't ask you questions to see if you're right or wrong. He asks you questions because he wants a conversation. He's not looking to tell you something. He's looking to talk to you. Prophecy is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. He wants to have a conversation, and so that's why he's asking questions. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Listen to the responses. Well, some people say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah. Now, a couple of these are supernatural, yet plausible. Elijah was actually taken away. He never, everybody saw his body, never saw him die. Jeremiah was a prophet, and people would like to see him come back, but... You know, the one here is a little crazy. Like when some people say you're John the Baptist, if if I'm Jesus, I'd be like, well, let's explore that one a little bit. Like, so I'm my cousin who was conceived right around the same time as me, who baptized me 
who prophesied me and we actually stood together. Not only that is, if you're going to call me one of my family members, like John's the one I kind of don't want to be like. Because <laughs> John was like the cousin that everybody hopes doesn't come to Thanksgiving dinner. You know, if guys know if John's coming, I don't smell camel yet. I'm not sure. <laughs> he wore camel hair clothing. What's he going to bring if he comes? I don't know. He's probably going to bring locusts and honey, just like he does all the time. So pretty much what they're saying is people say that you're your cousin who was born around the same time of you, who smells funny, has honey in his beard and locust legs hanging out of his mouth and pretty much only knows one word, repent. (laughs) That's crazy. Like if people say crazy stuff about you, what should you say to them? Well, what does Jesus say? Verse 15, when they say you're John the Baptist, he says, well, what do you say? He's not just asking him another question. He's showing you that you don't have to respond to every crazy thing people say about you. So when people say crazy stuff about you, what should you say? Sometimes nothing. Sometimes the best response is, you know, like a, a soft answer turns away wrath, but no answer just ignores it too. That's pretty good. Like sometimes if you don't want to talk to someone, it's better not to answer the voicemail. Just send it over there and maybe delete it later. Say, oh, I didn't see that number come up. Must have missed that call. <laughs> because it's better not to respond to people. Like I get, I get strange responses all the time. I fly um, a lot, you know, because of what I do. And so sometimes you get bumped up to, you know, special seats where you have nice cups and plates and things like that. And, and sometimes people in, in the front seats, they, they don't want, they're not real chatty. They don't try to have a conversation with you, but if they do, it's usually like, well, what do you do for a living? And you know, it's, we know we're going to get into some kind of comparison contest. And I know what this conversation is either going to be a short conversation with an awkward ending, or it's going to be a long conversation with an awkward ending. Cause I know where it's going to end. Right? Because we're going to talk about Jesus and it's going to be either really awkward for a while and then it's going to get really cool because we'll have an encounter. But it usually starts like this. So what do you do for a living? And if I say, oh, I'm a minister, that's when the noise-canceling headphones come out. And they're like, okay, I just, I got my playlist ready and, and they just put their headphones on. Or if I want to go the long route, I'll say, oh, I'm a public speaker. Oh, what do you talk about? Oh, I talk about spirituality. Oh, what type of Spirituality. Oh, I teach people that God likes to talk to us personally and how they can communicate with him and he can communicate with them. And then usually the response I get is, that sounds crazy. I had a guy say that to me not that long ago. That's crazy. I said, really? Let's talk about that. So have you ever prayed before? He said, oh yeah. I said, that's talking to God, right? He goes, I guess. I said, so you think it's crazy for me to talk to someone that I think talks back to me, but it's not crazy for you to talk to someone you don't believe exists and you don't think talks. Noise canceling headphones. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference between Robbie Dawkins the evangelist and Bob Hazlett the prophet. <laughs> Robbie would have got everyone in his family saved, everyone healed, everybody delivered. I just shut down the conversation. So. <laughs> I have a friend who's one of those airplane evangelists. He loves it. He goes, I can't, I love airplanes. 200 people trapped into a metal capsule with me. They have no way out. I'm like, I love airplanes, Jesus and me and the Holy Spirit and no one else. I just worship the whole time. It's just the difference between different people and I love who I am. So Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? He doesn't respond to every crazy thing people say about him. And 
I picture this sort of like a classroom setting. Jesus, the ultimate teacher, asking questions. You know how it is sometimes in a classroom setting when even if you know the answer, it's a little scary to answer because you're like, oh, I want to answer, but I know I'm going to be wrong. I know. And and then there's always the kid in the front row that's like raises their hand before the question is asked because they know the question as well as the answer. Like, I know what you're going to say. I know the question. I'll give the answer. And that is Peter. That's Peter, the disciple. He's sitting on the front row. Ooh, ooh, pick me. Reminds me of Horshack on Welcome Back, Carter. Sorry, I know that's an 80s reference, but he's, oh, pick me, Jesus. And Jesus is looking for some guy who never gets any attention, like Bartholomew or one of those other names of the poor disciples we don't know, like Matthias or I don't even know, Nathaniel, where is he at? And so Thomas is back there, but he doubts he has the answer. And and Judas is trying to tell people the wrong answer to give. Say this, say this. (laughs) James and John are throwing spitballs, you know. They're called the sons of thunder. They're lighting them on fire and putting people's hair on fire. Jesus wouldn't let them call down fire from heaven, so they're just going to blow up the classroom. So wouldn't want them in my chemistry class, for sure. Peter, he's like, oh, pick me, pick me. Jesus is like, okay, Peter. (laughs) Who do you think I am? Peter's got the right answer. He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You would think Peter, Jesus would be like, Peter, good job. No one else got the answer right. A plus on the test. You're the star student. Jesus says something really kind. He says this on the surface. It looks good. Verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon. That's Peter's real name, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Which sounds like a compliment on the surface, but underneath, basically what he's saying is, oh, bless your heart, Peter. You're really too stupid to have figured that one out on your own. My father showed that to you. You got the answers from the back of the book, didn't you? But good job anyway. Basically what Jesus is doing is he's giving Peter credit for something he didn't do. He's saying, blessed are you because you didn't know anything. Blessed are you, you dumb little you know they say in the south bless your heart you know what that means uh you're too stupid to know the difference you know (laughs) bless your heart peter but what he's saying is you learn how to get the answer so you didn't you weren't swayed by what other people said about me because other people said i was jeremiah other people said i was elijah some people said john the baptist but you weren't swayed by that Where did you get this information? From my father in heaven. Then he goes on to say, now I'm going to tell you something, Peter. Here's who you are. Because when you start to have a revelation of who Jesus is, you get the revelation of who you are. Peter gets a revelation of who he is and he says, you will no longer be Simon. But you will be Peter. Now I know there's there's totally like, if I was a Greek scholar, I could tell you Simon means this and Peter means this. And it's amazing. All I know is like, Simon's cool. Like he's the guy you want on your study team, right? He's the guy with the the glasses that reads all the, I want Simon. Who are you going to study with in your study group? I want Simon. But if you're going to get in a fight, you want Peter, right? Because actually his name is Petros, which doesn't sound, it's, it just sounds like a a Russian mobster or something. I don't know. I mean, my name is Petros. I kill you. Okay. (laughs) Sorry if you're Russian. I shouldn't say that. Let's see. He's a wrestler. He's not a mobster. Okay. He's a a wrestler. So he gives him a new name and he says, I tell you, you are now Peter. Peter's like, Petros, I be Petros now. I can kill people. 
And I tell you, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if you've heard this scripture taught before, it's said, and some people teach in the church that this is Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, because you, because of this, I'm going to build the church on you on this rock, Peter. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And some people teach Peter became the first leader of the church. I believe there's truth in that. Peter did become a leader of the church and apostles of the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Some people teach, no, it's not Peter that he's building the church on, but on the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I'll build my church on that and the hell cannot overcome that. I believe there's truth to it. I believe that the church is built on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is spirit of prophecy. So everything is about Jesus. But I think there's another truth in here. And that is this flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And on this, I will, on this rock, I will build my church. What I believe that means is that whenever you build your life on what other people say about you, that's a shaky foundation. But whenever you build your life on what the father says about you, that's a rock that cannot be shaken. That's a foundation that cannot be shaken. If you build your life on what Jesus says, guess what? If he says you can be a doctor and you can deliver babies, you better get your catcher's mitt on and your mask on. You better get ready because God says you can do it. And so he's saying, when you believe what the father says, it's a, it's a foundation that can't be shaken. It doesn't say that hell won't come against it, but it does say that hell won't be able to overcome it. That means when God speaks to you, hell will try to come against it. Jesus knew this because God spoke to him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The day he was baptized, the heavens opened, the dove came down, the father's voice spoke. And what happened next? What happened next is he went to the wilderness and he's tempted of the devil. The devil didn't wait uh, until Jesus was at his strongest point. He waited until Jesus was at his weakest point. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. No shame here. Anyone ever fast 40 days and 40 nights? Anybody ever start a 40 day fast? I started about five of them. I did. Haven't finished any of them. (laughs) My wife and I actually have a deal. I go on a couple fasts a year, but I don't go off a coffee unless I'm going to be away for the first three days. (laughs) I can fast food, but I can't fast coffee. (laughs) Because for some reason, coffee must keep the demons at bay. <laughs> and then when you give up coffee, all the demons manifest. And so, hallelujah for coffee and deliverance ministry. So, so something happens when you give up stuff, you, you, you feel weak. And Jesus, at four, for fasting coffee for 40 days and 40 nights and fasting food, he's hungry. When does the devil come to him? The devil comes to him at his weakest point. When does hell come against you? It doesn't come when you're strong. It doesn't come when the heavens are open. It doesn't come when the worship music's playing. It doesn't come when the dove is falling on you. It comes when you're tired. And truth comes at your strongest point. But truth is tested at your weakest point. And if the devil can beat you down to your weakest point and steal truth from you, then he wins. But he runs the risk that if he can't beat the truth out of you, he's going to push the truth deeper into you. And so when truth is tested at its weakest point, it becomes a foundation that can't be shaken. 
And so the gates of hell over, try to overcome it. They will come against it, but they cannot overcome it. And then he says, because of this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, which means whenever you stand on what God says about you, it looses things in heaven that God wants to bring to you. And it stops things that are on the earth that hell wants to bring against you. There's power in having a revelation from the father. Makes me want to have a conversation with God every day. Makes me want to wake up and say, God, I thank you that I'm accepted in the beloved today. I thank you that I've never been rejected because I've always been accepted. It makes me want to look in the mirror and say, God, I thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And some people may not like my ears or some people may not like my skin tone, but I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm beautiful in your eyes. Makes me want to say, God, I've never had a moment where I haven't been your son or your daughter because you adopted me before the foundation of the world. I've never been at a place where I've been unloved because I was predestined to be loved as your daughter and your son. So before I was ever rejected, before my heart was ever broken, my heart was made whole by you. I'm accepted in the beloved. It makes me want to have one of those conversations because I have that conversation every single day because I have to remind myself of what the father says about me because there's enough people out there that want to say crazy things about me. There's enough people that want to say crazy things about you on social media. By the way, just because it's on the internet, it's not true. I don't care. I don't know if you knew that or not, but you don't have to believe everything that, that, that people say about you. Sometimes you don't even have to respond. You know what? I've got a really, like my favorite social media button is called delete ban. I love that one. You guys can do it. It's unfriend, but I can't have, un, I can't unfriend people because I don't have friends apparently. <laughs> Facebook doesn't let me have friends. It lets me have followers or whatever. So, but I can delete ban them. I don't do it all the time, but if they, why should I listen? Why should you listen to what the devil says about you? Why should you respond to it? So Jesus is telling, teaching his disciples how to go to the father. He's not just trying to teach them who he is. He's trying to teach them how to go to the father. Because when you go to the father and get information, it can't be shaken. Even if hell comes against you and hell did come against them. Jesus, at the end of this conversation, after he, they discover who he is, he goes, you're right. I'm the Christ. I'm the son of the living God. You're going to need that information for what's about to happen. Because what's about to happen is this. And he tells them what's about to happen. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're like, yes, that's what the son of God would do. I'm going to be beaten. What? I'm going to be crucified. What? I'm going to be buried. And after three days resurrected. What? This is Jesus who heals the sick. Now he's going to be beaten and be physically harmed. This is Jesus who raises the dead. He's going to be killed. This is Jesus who destroys every funeral he attends. And he's going to be buried in a tomb for three days. This is totally the opposite of what they expect from the son of God. So Peter, Petros, <laughs> brings him to the side. Jesus, I need to speak to you. <laughs> this cannot happen. I protect you. I Petros. I kill them. I have a sword. I cut their ears off. <laughs> Peter's, Peter wants to be the bodyguard now of Jesus because he feels like he needs to protect what he just spoke over Jesus. And he says, you, there's no way I'm going to let this happen. You're not going to be beaten. You're not going to be crucified. You're not going to be buried. And Jesus looks at him and he doesn't say, Peter, get behind me. He says, Satan, get behind me. Not because he's condemning Peter, but he's, he's saying, I can't accept the words that you're saying. And he makes a statement. It's powerful. You need to go back and read the scripture this week. He says this, Satan, get behind me because you have in mind, you have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. What's that tell me is when I start thinking like man thinks about me, I'll start to think what hell thinks about me. 
If I let what man says about me influence me, eventually I'll start letting what the devil says about me influence me. And he said, get behind me, Satan. What is he saying? That's, that, that's so my past. You see, yes, I came to bring the kingdom and to heal the sick, but I have to go and be beaten because when I get beaten by my stripes, they will be healed, which means now all my believers will be healers. I'm going to multiply myself. I'm not going to be limited by my last season. I'm going to go on the cross and yes, I have to spill my blood. But because of that, the, my blood will flow through everyone and there'll be a new creation in Christ. All the old things will be, be made new and the dead things will be made alive. Peter, that has to happen. I have to go to the tomb and I have to go to hell and I got to get these keys of hell, death and the grave. Why? Because the only way that you can have the keys to unlock heaven is if I go to hell, grab them. And if I, if I listen to what Satan says about me, guess what? I'm going to be kept from my future. And that's why he says, get behind me. Why? Because that's so in my past. And I'm going to have to be defined by my past season. And sometimes there are people who knew you in your past season that want to define you and limit you from getting into your next season. And you just got to say, talk to the hand, basically. Shut up. But you know, my wife wouldn't like me to say that. I say that sometimes, but then she says, use your life words, honey. I have two daughters. So it's like, you know, use your life words. So sometimes I'm in the car and I'm driving on the road and I really want to bless people. And I say, that person is it. And I'm in my back seat. My kids, use your life words, dad. I just declare you are becoming a better driver. I just declare. (laughs) You are learning to use your turn signal. I live in Connecticut. Everybody's prophetic. You're supposed to know when they're going to change lanes and they don't tell you. It says, get behind me, Satan. Talk to the hand. That's my past. It's not who I am. See, I love that this young lady listened to what God said, not what her past said. What God said, not what her culture said. And, and when you do that, you get to go into places you've never been before. Jesus opened the way for us to go where we've never been before, unlocked heaven for us. The keys to the kingdom of heaven means that there's places that no one's ever gone before that you can go because you know who you are. See, when you know who you are, you can come to church and you can, bring, you can celebrate having the light, but then you can go into darkness and bring the light into darkness. So I grew up in, in the church and I, be, and I was taught and I believed if I get too close to the world, the world will influence me too much. I didn't realize at the time that the, I'm the light of the world and that light influences darkness. Darkness doesn't influence light. You know, I grew up in a, and I, you know, grew up in a church and in a revival culture and I started traveling as a revivalist and, and I would go and do church revivals and prophecy and healing and, and then something happened to me in 2002, I was in a meeting, it was like a meeting we had this weekend at a church, but this, uh, this lady came to me after this, after the meeting and she said, I've never felt spirit the way I felt spirit in this place tonight. Will you come to my church and will you teach my church? And I said, I'd love to. And this was a, a while ago and I had a, I had my schedule probably about four months in advance. And so my wife was our coordinator. I introduced her to my wife. She took the information and <clears throat> I took the information and I saw the paper about a week later. I looked at it and I saw that I had just scheduled myself at this church, but I had never heard of this kind of church. It wasn't something cool like vineyard or, you know, whatever. It didn't have the word God in it. It, it was, it was some unity thing that I, I, I looked it up and I found out it was an interfaith church. It was people that 
you know, worship the universe, as people that had spirituality. It would be in the, in the Christian world I grew up, it would be, we would call it a new age church, which they, they believed in, in the spirit, but maybe not the same spirit that, that, you know, that I had, but they were hungry for it. And so I, to be honest with you, I was sort of like, Jesus, what should I do? I, I don't know. Cause I've, I grew up in the Christian church. I was Methodist. My parents got filled with the spirits. So we went to a Pentecostal church. So that makes me Methecostal. Which sounds like something you take when you have a sore throat. Like, my throat's a little scratchy. Here, take a methacostal drop. What's that going to do? It's going to be cool when it goes in, but it's going to burn when it goes down. So, so I said, Jesus, I've never been to this kind of church. Should I go? And here's what I heard Jesus say. He goes, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't let Jesus go by himself, you know, so, so we go and, and I take my wife with me and, and we talk about Jesus, how we believe he's the, the original son of God, the unique son of God came to the earth, died, went back to the father alive and he wants to heal your bodies. And I started calling it words of knowledge. And there was one young lady, I called out word of knowledge uh, for nerve damage in her lower back. She gets completely healed, like just bouncing up and down kind of healed and and the leaders come up to the in front of the church and they fold their arms like this they're like we don't believe jesus is who you say he is but then they say but two weeks ago we brought in a crystal healer and they used their crystals and nothing happened and then last week we brought in an energy healer and they used their energy and nothing happened but you prayed in jesus name and she's immediately healed And they said, can you come back and teach us how you did that? Which was amazing to me in two ways. First of all, I said, Jesus. He said, yep. (laughs) But secondly, I remember him saying, can you teach us how to do that? It was the first time a church had ever asked me to come back and teach them, not to just come back and do it, but teach them how to do it. They believed they could do it. The audacity of those people. (laughs) So we went back. I said, sure. They said, how are we going to do it? I said, we'll put together a healing seminar. They said, what will we call it? I said, the three dimensions of divine healing. We advertised it in the newspaper all over in New York State, Connecticut. There's a three-state area. We had a hundred, the church of about 150 people. And then we had a hundred healers. I didn't even know they were, there were all different kinds of healers. Angel healers and energy healers. And there was, I didn't know there were so many healers because I grew up in the church. Sorry. Man, people got healed. Body, soul, spirit. People gave their life to Jesus. 25 people gave their life to Jesus in a healing seminar. Is that amazing? So I was telling this story like a few months later at a pastor's conference. And there was a pastor from a, a state, uh, from Idaho, state of Idaho. And he said, we have like a, this big healing conference in our city. They gather 10,000 people every year and they, they have this mind, body, spirit healing. And it just, it just like, woo, creates this like bad energy in the city. Can you come and, and maybe do a conference at our church at the same time? And I said, oh, so you mean like they're going to have their conference here and we're going to have ours here? And they he said, yeah, that's pretty much it. I said, why don't we do this? Instead of having our conference here, let's take our conference and let's crash their conference. Let's be like wedding crashers, conference crashers. 
And this was a time when not a lot of people were doing it, like around 2003. And I, he said, well, how will you do that? I said, I don't know, but let me write to the conference coordinator. And so I noticed they had healing rooms at this conference and they had spaces for 100 healers. So I applied. I, I said, can I apply to be one of your healers? And they wrote me right back and said, well, what kind of healing do you practice? I didn't know how to exp- describe it to her. So I just said, it's an ancient Hebrew form of healing. <laughs> it's true. The truth will set you free, baby. And so she said, please come. We really need you. I'm like, yeah, more than you know. <laughs> so we brought a team of like 12 people. It was great. We sat up with the, the angel healers, the shamans, and all, they became our friends. Some of them did. And people came and we prayed for them. They're getting healed. They're getting set free. They're getting delivered. And this lady comes up to me about an hour into this. It was going good. And then she looks at me and she goes, who are you people? And I said, well, we're just followers of Jesus. We're here to love people, pray for them to be healed. Do you need healing? Can we pray for you? She's like, no. I said, well, who are you? She said, I'm a medium. She said it like that. I'm not, I'm not mimicking her. She said, I'm a medium. And I realized she was staking out her territory. Like she was trying to, she didn't know I wasn't her enemy because I wasn't her enemy. I was her friend. She just didn't know it yet. So she goes, I'm a medium. And I said, nice to meet you. I'm an extra large. See, I, I think humor is the best spiritual warfare. I just really think it is. Like, the devil's so intense and angry, and it's just like, ah, have a good time with that. You know, I'm just, just going to be happy. God sits on his throne and laughs. And so I'm like, nice to meet you. And she's, I said, can I pray for you? She said, no. And so she walked away. And that was cool. But if, a few minutes later, it just started to get like icky in there. Like just, I don't know, just felt like we're running through molasses. Like what's going on? And People are looking at me like, did you sin in the last few minutes? Because things, <laughs> isn't that the way it works is when things go wrong, we start looking at what we did wrong. Is there sin in your life? You have a problem. Your finances are doing bad. Are you tithing? <laughs> you know what? God's a provider. He's my father. That's why I give because, my, because I'm like my father. He's a giver. And so I said, well, you know, what? I'm going to go pray and see what this is. And so I went out to the parking lot. I started praying and, you know, because of the church I grew up in, you know, when you prayed and you didn't know what to pray, you pray in the spirit. So I I started praying in the spirit and I have, when I get in really like tight spots back in those days, I have these special samurai, like spiritual language. I would pray like, (laughs) so I'm doing spiritual warfare because I didn't have any shofars or flags and oil because those are all good. (laughs) Sprinkle salt on it. I don't know. Put a little Windex on it. No, that's... My big fat Greek wedding. Okay, so that's spiritual warfare. That's kind of how we do spiritual warfare. We think this will work. Try this, try this, try that. Sometimes it's better just to like get yourself in a place where you can hear God. So I'm just going for it and God, I hear the Holy Spirit go, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like a spiritual warfare. He goes, nah, you're not. You're just getting tired. <laughs> you're getting dehydrated. <laughs> you're spitting a lot. That's not an annoying thing. That's just spit. And I said, well, I don't even know what's going on. And here's what the Lord said. He said, it's no problem. Someone put a curse on you. I'm like, wait a second, there's no problem. There's a curse on me. He goes, yeah, it's okay. Because you're cursed, you can't be, you're blessed, you can't be cursed. I'm like, oh, you mean I don't have to break the curse? No, I broke the curse, you just have to believe it's broken. So I, I went to pray again, and here's the only thing that came to my mind. It's like, I grew up in a big family, and so, you know, you tease each other, you call each other names. Well, I did most of the name calling. But my sister would say to me when I would call her a name, well, I'm rubber, you're glue. What you say bounces off me, sticks to you. Have you ever heard that saying? 
Well, apparently that's spiritual warfare. So I heard myself say this, devil, I'm rubber. You're glue. What you say bounces off me, sticks to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Because I want to make it like a legal prayer. You know I mean? <laughs> and then I crossed myself just in case. <laughs> and you know what I felt? I felt like freedom come because it's truth that sets you free. It's not a process. It's not a formula. It's just truth. And so it felt so good. I said it again. Hey, I'm rubber. You're glue. What you say bounces off me, sticks to you. I got so annoyed. I started to become like T.D. Jakes. I'm like, ah, I'm a rubber. Talk to the rubber hand. That's the part you'll remember this week, by the way. Because you're blessed. You can't be cursed. And some of you, when you, need, when you go to work on Monday, somebody tries to push your button. You say, I got a rubber button. You can't touch that button. I'm rubber. Talk to the rubber hand. When someone tries to criticize you, rubber, 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 rubber. <laughs> Sometimes I say it under my breath. When something bad's going on, they're rubber, 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 rubber. So everything gets really cool. I'm having fun. I'm actually laughing out there with the Lord. I go back in. The team's really intense. They're like, man, it got really hot after you left. Things cleared up. Whatever you did at work, what'd you do? What'd you do? I said, I wanted to make it sound good. You know, I didn't want to tell them what I did. I'm like, I flew to the third heavens. There were two flaming angels with flaming swords. Even their butts were flaming. <laughs> no, I didn't tell them that. So like about an hour later, little Miss Medium comes up and she said, hey, where have you been? I've been looking for you. I said, I've just been hanging out. I said, do you need prayer? She said, yeah, I need prayer. I said, for what? She said, she explained, she said for an hour, her shoulder has been frozen in place. And it's in severe pain and she can't move it. And I realized she was glue. Like she was the one that was coming against us, but she's not my enemy. She's my friend. She just doesn't know it. And so I said, oh, I would love to pray for you. And so we prayed for her. Her shoulder gets healed. I get a word for her. I tell her a dream that she had the night before. And I told her a dream she's going to have the next night. The next day she comes back and said, I had the dream you told me about. We had over a dozen people come over to our booth that said, that medium over there sent us over here, said, you guys have real power. Maybe our job as the church isn't to tell people how wrong they are. Maybe our job is just to love them and show them how right Jesus is and how good he is and how loving Jesus is. And even if they're enemies, you know what the Bible says? If a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. I I believe God wants to bring peace in this city. He wants to bring peace between believers and unbelievers, peace between family members. And some of you are going through some stuff and you're trying to fight it. And you just need to say, get behind me, Satan. I'm rubber. You're glue. What you say bounces off of me, sticks to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Put your hand on your heart or your head or pat your head, rub your stomach, whatever you'd like to do. Jesus, I just thank you that you are releasing uh, what the Father says about us. We just declare right now in Jesus' name that there's anyone here who's been defined by their past. Right now, we declare it's broken in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you're releasing us the way you did to Peter, something that can't be shaken, a revelation only from the Father's heart. God, and we just declare right now that nothing's going to keep us held back in the past. What people say about us 
we don't have to respond to. What the devil wants to try to tell us we are, we could say, talk to the hand. And God, we can turn every curse into a blessing because we are called to be a blessing in this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Let's worship together, okay?